back to God's Pathway Life for You. I'm your host, Dave. Today we got the Friday special. We have Dr. Chriswell up next. Hello, hello. Thanks for returning to the podcast. Today we got the Friday special with uh, Dr. Chriswell, W.A. Chriswell. This is a recording from uh, June 6th of 1968. And he's going to be talking about uh, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, before we get started, though, you know, I always like to say my prayer. Lord, Father in heaven, please hear my prayer. I pray for understanding for my listeners that you give them a stillness of mind to hear your quiet, hidden voice in your word, that you open a Bible to them in a way they have never experienced before, that your word becomes alive to them. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so last time we... We were together. Uh, we are talking about uh, John chapter 16. So uh, when we get back together uh, Monday, it'll be uh, John 17. So get ready for that one. If you want to read ahead, that'd be great. Okay, so today it's, we got the Friday special. So, you know, I'll go ahead and do my little spiel up front. <clears throat> I got the call to action. Sign up for the prayer list today. And if you'd like a sticker, leave me an email. I'll send you a sticker. I would like you to start your own prayer list, write names of people you love and care about, and write down if God answers a prayer. Okay, I got a prayer of salvation for the people who are lost and want to turn your life over to Christ. And with this statement of faith, you have to have a repentative life. You have to turn from your old life, the old sinful, hateful way that you used to live a life, and turn to Christ and try to read your Bible and try to put the things that the Bible says into your everyday life and try to turn your life into a Christian life. And if you want to do that, you can start with simply with a statement of faith, and that would be your first step. So, dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner, and I admit that my sins separate me from you. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and God raised you from the dead. I choose today by faith to invite you into my heart to take control of my life, to be my Lord and Savior. I willingly choose to turn from sin and to turn to you. Please forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean and get my home in heaven with you when I die. Change me and make me a new person. Help me now to live for you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, oh yeah, I also invite you to church. I invite you to church on Facebook Live Sunday morning, 11 Central Standard Time, and again, 6.30 Sunday night, again, Wednesday night at 7 p.m., and if you do come, would you put it in the comments section? So remember, look in the detailed description box, find the Facebook page for the church, like the Facebook page, and when we go live on uh, events or uh, church services, you'll get a notification, and you can come join, join us then. Okay, I'm asking if God has placed it on your heart to donate to the church, South Heights Baptist Church. There is now a donate link on the website, godspathwaylife.faith. There's a clickable link to a detailed description box, so check out the detailed description box for this podcast for all links and email information. Okay, that's all I have for today, and now, so I'm going to go ahead and start the, the Dr. Chriswell. And the filling of the Holy Spirit. And like I told you the last podcast, that the Holy Spirit comes in and is that barrier between you and your flesh. But he also uh, has a whole lot of other jobs that he does. And one of the other jobs he, he does is to educate you in the ways of the Bible and then the understanding of the Bible. And uh, Dr. Criswell, he's going to talk about more about the Holy Spirit and what he actually, more of his job in a more detailed uh, description than I can give you. So uh, here's Dr. Criswell. Some time ago, I preached through an evangelistic conference in one of our pioneer states. 
And the conference that year met in the capital city, in the mother church, the first church of that state. And when I stood up to speak, I congratulated the congregation on the large and spacious auditorium. It was beautiful. It was effective. It was new. It was very large. And I said, I am surprised and happily so to find so magnificent a building in this new state where our Southern Baptist people are now building a great and effective witness. After the service was over, the pastor of the church introduced me to one of his deacons who took me out to dinner. And while we were breaking bread together, the deacon said to me, I could not help but notice your words about our wonderful church and how impressed you were with its spaciousness. Then he added, but our church is just a shell. Our congregation has been decimated. Why, well, I said, I can't imagine such a thing. What happened? And he replied, our pastor who has left us and carried down the street part of our people and organized another church just about six blocks away. Our former pastor now speaks with tongues. When I returned home, I received a call from one of our associational missionaries in another state. And he said, we have a great state university located in our district. And we have planned a tremendous revival meeting for all of this section of our state. And it's to be held in the football stadium on the campus of our state university. And we planned this and prayed for this for months and months. But he said, I don't know what to do because the team that is to come from a university in your state of Texas, that team is all divided. Half of them are speaking in tongues. And he said, what do you think we ought to do? Well, I said, I, I don't quite know. And I couldn't answer. About a month later, he called me again. And he said, we're in great perplexity. We have this university. And we have all of this section of our state. And we've asked God for a tremendous outpouring. And we've invited a team from this university in your state of Texas. And as I told you before, half of them are speaking in tongues. 
Well, I said, you, you asked me before about this, and I said, I wasn't able to answer. Why are you calling me uh, again? And he said, I'm calling you again because some of the members of that team who are speaking in tongues are young people out of your church. Why, I said, I never heard of anything like that, and I don't believe it. You've been misinformed. No, he said, I have found out exactly, and it is true. Some of them are from your church. And from your deacons. Well, I said to him, I don't know yet what to say, but let's ask God. Without my uh, personal inquiry, there came to my study from the university where the team had been uh, put together to conduct this tremendous revival. There came the young leader of it, a brilliant and handsome young man from one of the wealthiest families in Texas. And he had had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was speaking in tongues. And on that university campus, he had persuaded other young people to seek a like experience. And apparently, they had it. They all were speaking in tongues. So he came up to see me in Dallas and sat there in my study. So we began. And I said to him, young fellow, I am not able yet to say exactly a final and conclusive word because I haven't given myself to its study yet. But there's one thing thus far I know, and that is this, that in my experience as a preacher, and in my reading, I have never yet seen that phenomenon but that it is divisive, without exception. I said, if you had driven from your university up here to Dallas to see me, and said to me, I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and 90% of all that I have I shall give to God, and I shall live on the 10% that remains. I would say, young fellow, God bless you. Amen. Or if you had driven up from your university to Dallas to say to me, Pastor, I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have resolved to pray on my knees six hours every day. I would say, Amen. God bless you. Or had you driven up from the university to Dallas and Say to me, Pastor, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
I have resolved to win one soul to Jesus every day. I would say, Amen. God bless you, young preacher. But when you drive up from the university to see me and you say, Pastor, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I now speak in tongues. I say, Oh, dear Lord, what? What? It's divisive. He said, Oh, no. Why, I said, Already. Barring the intervention of God, the tremendous revival encounter and crusade that has been prepared on that university campus and for all that part of the state where your team was to go. The encounter and the revival, the crusade has been called off. There is such a divisiveness in your own team and, of course, reflected in our Baptist churches and our Baptist association. Well, because of the way I preach and the heart that I have, there came to me in Dallas representatives of the finest of that movement in America. One of them is an Episcopalian, and he came to Dallas to visit me several times and to teach me the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he and others. And to my amazement, in my study in the church there in Dallas, he spoke with tongues. And I listened and looked. I felt like that feller who had a big button on his lapel with these initials, B-A-I-K. And a guy went up to him and said, that's the funniest button I ever saw in my life. What does that mean? And he said, that means, boy, am I confused. And the feller said, now listen, you don't spell confused with a K. And the man replied, well, that just goes to show how confused I am. Oh, these things and others like them that I could recount plunged my soul into an indescribable confusion. So I set myself to ask of God and to search the mind of the Lord. Lord, what is this thing they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, is it something that I ought to experience? And I offered myself under God. Lord, I shall not be too proud if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that God has for those who love Him and serve Him. And if speaking in tongues is a sign of it, Lord, I offer Thee my soul and my heart. I am not too proud. And if it is something I am to receive 
from God's hands. And if it is God's will for us that we possess it, and that be the sign of it, then, Lord, I offer myself to Thee. Now you show me, and you teach me. And for two years, for two years, I studied, and I prayed, and I preached on the Holy Spirit as I delivered those sermons in the pulpit of the First Church in Dallas. They were stenographically recorded, and Sondervan published them in the book that I hold in my hands, The Holy Spirit in Today's World. I never had a greater preaching experience in my life, nor did I ever learn more of what God says of the outpouring and the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit than I did in those two years of soul-searching and Bible study and pulpit preaching. Now, Gerald, we'll not spend the rest of the evening here, though I'd like to. Just a word or two. Most of what I learned surprised me. For one thing, there is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. It is a nomenclature not found in God's book. There is no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit in God's book. It isn't in it. It's a phrase embedded by man. And as I studied it, I learned that only in one place in the Bible is the baptism with the Holy Spirit prophesied, and that is the great introductory message of John the Baptist. I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And Jesus recalled that prophecy to his disciples in the first chapter of Acts before Pentecost in chapter 2. In what sense, then, is Jesus the baptizer with the Holy Spirit? Only in this sense that the Pentecostal gift is an ascension gift. If I go not away, he will not come. But if I go away, I will send him unto you. After the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ, the Holy Spirit was poured out in keeping with the prophecy in Joel. But after the pouring out of the ascension gift, Jesus in the Bible is no longer as looked upon as the baptizer, but the Holy Spirit is the baptizer, and he baptizes into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one Spirit are we all baptized. 
baptized into the body of Christ. Well, pastor, if the baptism with the Holy Spirit is our induction, our addition to the body of Christ, then what is that that happened at Jerusalem, at Samaria, at Caesarea, and at Ephesus? What is that? Will you take God's word for it and not man's word? In no instance and in no place is it ever mentioned baptism. But there is a word that God uses again and again and again. And it is the word sealed. And they were all sealed with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again. The filling of the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the Spirit is one time only. One time. We are baptized into the body of Christ. And if a man can be baptized with the Holy Spirit again and again, it would mean he can be taken into the body of Christ and then taken out of the body of Christ and then into the body of Christ and out of the body of Christ. In and out and in and out. That may be fine or Arminian theology, but it isn't in the Bible. By one Spirit are we all baptized, added to the body of Christ. And that is forever and ever and ever. No one is able to take us out of the Father's hand. Nor is there any mandate or commandment in the Bible to be baptized with the Spirit. But there is a mandate that we be filled with the Spirit. The baptism with the Spirit is positional. The filling of the Spirit is ex experiential. The baptism with the Spirit by which we are added to the body of Christ is something God does for us as writing our names in the Lamb's book of life. God does it. But the filling of the Spirit is experiential. A thing that a man can rejoice in, can feel, can be empowered by again and again and again. Even as the text says in Ephesians 5:18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is asatia abandonment, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Look at that. Play rooster. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Look at that. It is in the imperative mood. Be ye filled with the Spirit. We are to be filled by God's commandment with the Spirit. Look at that word. Pleruste. Pleruste. It is present tense. Be ye continually filled with the Spirit. Every day is a great day. Every opportunity is a great opportunity, for God is with us. A continuing present action. As I daily yield myself to God, the Lord daily fills me with His Spirit. Look at that. It is plural in number. Pleruste. Be ye filled with the Spirit. All of God's saints or to feel the experience of the infilling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. 
the preacher in the pulpit, God bless him. The man out there in the pew, amen. He's to be filled with the Spirit. All of us alike to be filled with the Spirit. And in that day, God says, I will pour my Spirit out upon all flesh. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Pleruste, plural. All of us are to be filled with the Spirit. There's a divine afflatus that is to help the deacon be a good deacon, and the teacher a good teacher. And the WMU president, God bless her, a wonderful WMU president. And all of us servants of the Lord, all of us to be filled with the Spirit. And in His passive voice, that is, the subject is acted upon. It is passive voice. You see, when Paul said, Be not drunk with the Spirit, be not drunk with wine, wherein is asotia, abandonment. But be ye filled with the Spirit. He was not making a contrast between a drunkard over here and a Spirit-filled Christian here, but he was making a comparison for a man who is under the influence of the Spirit of alcohol is a new man. He's a different kind of a fellow. He may be so meticulous and tidy in his clothing, but when he's under the influence of the spirit of alcohol, his tie is awry, his hair is dis disheveled, he looks like a bum out of the gutter. Or here is a fellow who is shy and timid, but under the influence of the spirit of alcohol, man, look at him. He never did sing in his life. He's singing now to the top of his voice. He was afraid to attempt anything. Man, he attempt anything now under the influence of the spirit of alcohol. Like those two drunks upstairs in a hotel, and one of them said, Watch me! I'm going to jump out the window and fly around this building. And the next day when the other one went to see him in the hospital, the guy all busted and broken up said to him, Why didn't you stop me? And the other friend said, man, I thought you could do it. That's what it means. Under the influence of the spirit of alcohol, a man's one thing. So, if a man is under the influence of the spirit of God, he's somebody different. He's somebody else. And he is bold in the Lord. And courageous in the Lord. Attempt anything for God. He will. He will. I know He will. Like the song of the engineers of the Panama Canal. Don't send us back to a life that's tame again. We who have shattered a continent's spine... Easy work, all. Oh, we couldn't do that again. Haven't you something that's more in our line? God in the rivers, you say, are not crossable. God in the mountains, you can't tunnel through. We specialize in the holy impossible, doing what nobody ever could do. That's the man filled with the Holy Spirit.
attempting for God things he never dreamed of in his own strength and in his own strength. May I take a leaf out of my own life. I began preaching when I was a teenager, 17, and I was called as the pastor of a wonderful rural church, pretty thing, white columns in front of it, a very large, spacious church ground with a parsonage and a large tabernacle where they held their summer revival meeting. When the time came for the annual meeting, the people gathered and said, we want our young pastor to lead the revival, preach in the services. So I said, God help me, I'll try. The day and the evening came. I took my Bible and went down to that open tabernacle. And as I watched, the people began to pour in from the ends of the earth. That churchyard, which comprised several acres, was filled with vehicles, horses, buggies, and wagons and automobiles. People were coming horseback, by foot. In the cars of those days. And it scared me to death. My throat was dry and my heart beat fast. And I turned to my singer and I said, I can't do it. I can't speak. I can't talk. My tongue is thick and my throat is dry and my heart is beating out of my body. I am frightened to death. I can't do it. He put his arms around me. He was more experienced in the faith and I. And he said, young fella, come with me over here back of this parsonage. And he took me back of the parsonage. And we sat down on the steps from the door to the ground. And he opened his Bible and he read to me, First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Then he said, Now, kneel down here by my side. And I knelt by his side, and he prayed for me that God would stand by me and help me as I preach God's message. Say, man, you should have been there that night. I felt then 
for the first time the filling of the Holy Spirit of God as I preached. And a thousand times and a thousand times since have I felt that in that endowment from heaven, that divine afflicts, God's breath, God's spirit, the moving of the presence in my soul. One of these men who writes these articles, but who never speak of what they see, said to me, do you have services like this in the church all the time? I said to him honestly, my brother, most of the times I feel God's presence so fully, so richly, so deeply that all I can do is cry. I can't say it in syllable or in sense. The filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't speak with tongues. I don't believe in it. And that's why I've written it out. Nor do I go through any of those unusual, phenomenal healings. I believe in divine healing. I just don't believe in divine healers doing it for money. But I know, though I don't speak with tongues and don't believe in it, but I know what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God as I labor among His people and as I preach the message of that holy and heavenly Word. And God says that no longer, as Dr. Keohan White avowed, is that heavenly benediction just for a Saul or a Samuel or a, or a Samson or, or a David or a Jeremiah. It's for all of us. You, my brother, you can preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. And your people can know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is according to the commandment of God, and it is pleasing to our Lord. God bless you, my fellow ministers, and God give us an enablement. Only His blessed and precious hands can bestow. Amen.